on today's episode, Finding the Time for Rehab, Strength and Running. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Welcome back, Run Smarter Scholars. Uh, we have, <clears throat> let's go through, first of all, the YouTube update. Thanks to everyone who has <clears throat> subscribed and watched the videos that are up there already. Um, I'm recording this a little bit earlier in the week compared to what I usually would. Um, it is Tuesday and this episode's coming out the following Monday, so maybe a lot's happened since then. Um, but later this week, I will be releasing the next YouTube video. It is five myths about patellofemoral pain, and that will be available now as you're listening to this. Um, still having a lot of fun with it. Glad to see people are jumping on and subscribing. Glad to see like the, the comments that are coming in and the amount of listens per video. Really enjoying it and learning a bit more about the editing, the, the B-roll, the th- today and the most recent video. I've done a, a bit more, um, B-roll videos with Canva, like talking about knee pain and then pops up a, a video of the anatomy of the knee or someone running and showing where the ITB is and that sort of stuff. And me just playing around with it. I think it looks great. I think the final product is looking good, but I'm learning more and more about the the visual effects and the graphics and that sort of stuff. So hope you're enjoying. I'll probably aim to have videos come out every one, oh, one to two videos every week just to build up a, a good library, a good base, um, before, you know, sort of filtering into once a week, kind of like what I did with the, the podcast. However, the podcast went for two episodes per week for, you know, a couple of years, <laughs> but, um, we'll see how that goes. The book, I have just finished narrating the book. It took me about on average, about an hour to record every chapter. And when you're talking about 20 chapters, that's a lot of talking and even more editing to do after that. I haven't done any of the editing. I've just gone with the raw kind of recordings with all my mistakes and all that sort of stuff that's still in there just because I wanted to sift through the book to see if there are any like little final edits or mistakes or spelling errors and anything that's in there. But you could probably tell my voice is shot the last couple of days just because I've done so much talking. I've actually tried to get the audio quality um, as well as I could as high, the quality as high as I could and, um, put the sheet back over my head. Um, if you remember when I moved house and I was in this really echoey room, 
I started getting used to putting a sheet over the computer, over my head, over the microphone and started recording a few episodes like that. And so I did the whole book <laughs> with a sheet over my head, which um, I kind of got used to, but it was just a bit weird. I know they recommend that when you have finalized your book, everything's done to to kind of order a copy yourself and send it. So hopefully, fingers crossed, at the time of this recording, Monday next week, hopefully I have ordered the book myself and it's on its way. And then once I open up, I like how it looks. I like how the design is and how thick the book is and the size and all that sort of stuff. Uh, once I'm happy, it is available for you to purchase. Um, so keep you updated on that. And any other YouTube stuff, I think when the book's ready, I'll go on another big campaign. I'd love to get on other podcasts and promote the book and promote the YouTube channel as well, promote the podcast. Um, I just love, I, I don't think I've been a guest on a podcast for a while now um, or just trickles here and there. I know I did go on a bit of a campaign uh, about a year and a half ago, I was probably jumping on one running podcast per day. <laughs> I think I got to 30 running podcasts in about 30 days and loved it. Love talking about running, especially when I don't have to script things and edit it all myself. Just jump on, talk about running, have a good time, and then done and dusted. So hopefully I get on the campaign trail again once the book is completed. And if you enjoy listening to other podcasts, other running podcasts, maybe you'll see me on that one as well. Okay, jumping in here as a bit of an update. Um, like I said at the start of this recording, that was last Tuesday. This is now the 31st, so this episode is going to be released tomorrow. thought I'd give you an update on the book because a lot has happened. Um, as of last Friday, the interior designer finished the book, cover finished, and I put it into Amazon um, for a proofread. So checked the margins, everything was good. The sort of previewer looked good. And so ordered the proof copy and I have since it told me it takes seven days to send and it took two days and I received it at the front of my house about uh, two or three hours ago. And so with this episode dropping tomorrow, I will let you know that this time next week, um, I, I will have the book available for all of you to purchase, providing everything goes really smoothly and there's no issue with um, putting the final version up onto... Amazon Audible. I I will have the the paperback version. I will have the ebook version, but I won't have the audiobook just yet. We'll have to wait a couple more weeks for that to come out. But get excited! I will be putting onto socials the next week or so, um, building up a bit of hype. And then by this time next week, when the next episode drops, hopefully it is available for all of you to purchase. So thought I would update you on that and uh, dive back into the episode that I recorded about five days ago. Okay. Um, Jill May um, on Instagram, I apologize for taking so long to get to your question, but I don't even know how long ago it was when I asked for Q and A's. Um, I'm going to say it was close to six months ago that Jill asked this question on a, just a routine Q and A post. And it was so good and had a lot of ideas that I thought let's just turn into a solo episode. So I went on the list for my solo episodes and working my way down the list, finally got to Jill's question. So Jill asks, and Jill, this probably doesn't even 
apply to you anymore because it's been so long that you're probably not even doing this. But um, Jill asks, do you consider rehab exercises to count towards strength training? She continues, I do my 15 to 20 minutes of exercise that were prescribed for hamstring for her hamstring injury. She does them five to five days per week. And then she says, but also try to do strength training three days per week for about 20 minutes. So when I do all that, plus running 50 to 60 miles per week, it's like a full-time job. How can I condense all of this without sacrificing strength? So I had, like I said, I had several ideas for answering this question. So I thought I would develop in, into a solo, an, an entire episode rather than just a quick Q&A question, I guess. Um, I think to start us off, we need to go back to some re- rehab principles, which I sort of talk to my runners a, a bit about. And when I have new clients and they already have their rehab exercises, sometimes they're doing them multiple times a day, sometimes multiple times a week. Um, I like to explain a little bit of a, a principle or a little bit of a template. And it goes along like this. If you have an injury that is quite severe and quite irritated, can't really tolerate a lot, we have to resort to doing low-level exercises because we've got to start somewhere. Um, rarely would we prescribe complete rest. We need to just try and find that adaptation zone, find what it can tolerate. But if it's severe and it's irritated, for most cases, we have to start with low-level exercises. And because we start with low-level exercises, it kind of needs to be done quite often because it's not. it, it needs to have enough stimulus, enough frequency for you to start getting better. And so that's when we usually prescribe things that are either daily or sometimes multiple times a day. Um, for example, if someone has really irritable knee pain and we try to get them to do some step-ups, too painful, try to get them to do squats, too painful, try to get them to do like half squats, still too painful. Okay, we might need to settle for wall sits. And that wall sit might be half range of movement. So you just got your back against the wall. We're doing a a quarter or a half squat. That's just enough to activate the quads and stimulate the the knee a little bit. That's just what we can get away with. And so because that's a minute amount, you're not going to be necessarily too fatigued, not necessarily going to require a lot of recovery. So let's do it multiple times a day. If we only did it once every two days, you're not going to get better that, that quick. But if you do it multiple times a day, hopefully that is enough stimulus to settle down symptoms, build up some strength, and then move to the next step. Another classic example is Achilles tendinopathy. People might, if they've had this before and they look up the Alfredson protocol, it is eccentric exercises to be done three times a day. And it's quite a lot, quite frequently. Um, If I remember correct, you're doing three sets of 15 drops straight leg three sets of 15 drops bent leg and doing that three times a day. It's an enormous amount. Um, but you start with body weight, so it's not really that challenging. Eccentric exercises don't really fatigue the muscle. It just loads the tendon, which is why it's so effective. And so this is kind of the rationale behind such a, a high frequent exercise. And so what Jill was saying, um, does her exercises, takes her 15 to 20 minutes to do the rehab exercises for her hamstring, does it five days a week, so pretty much almost every day. And then the rehab principles 
continue into once it's a bit more settled, once you notice a little bit more improvement, then we get into increasing the demand, increasing the weight, just making it more challenging, but the frequency decreases. So if we use that first, that knee pain example, just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Let's just say we can then progress through the exercises that you can now tolerate squats that are with 20 kilos and you're doing like three sets of that. And that's, you know, it's not nothing. It's a considerable amount might need some recovery, but not a whole lot. It's not taxing you that you'll have muscle soreness the next day, but it's just enough to, you know, feel like you're getting a bit of a workout. You start noticing the fatigue levels a bit more, start noticing that's just a bit more challenging towards the end of that set. You probably can't really do too many more reps. That sort of scenario, maybe we do something like that every second day. Just give you enough time to, the, the frequency is still quite high, but it's just challenging enough to find that sweet spot. For the Achilles tendinopathy, you might want to progress the body weight um, eccentric drops to then doing calf raises on a step, single leg calf raises on a step with 15 kilos. Um, if you're doing three sets of those and getting really significant burn by the end of it, you're probably looking to do that maybe three times a week. So yeah, I guess every second day. And we just eventually just continue progressing, continue progressing. Um, if we continue on that trend, following those principles, and then experience a flare-up, in that case, if you do have a flare-up, we then have to start fluctuating back to those early phases and finding, okay, well, every flare-up is different, but with this particular flare-up, under these unique circumstances, how much do we have to revert, revert back to do we go back to multiple times a day? Um, and if so, how long do we stay there for? It's all about following those symptoms and making sure that the dosage and the frequency that we sign those is justified. So for a mild flare up, I probably wouldn't even revert back. I'd probably say there's no change required. Let's learn what caused that flare up, just modify that, but keep everything else exactly the same. But if it's a, a moderate flare up, we might have to go back to daily exercises. Uh, if it's a real severe flare up, <clears throat> I'd probably recommend rest for one to two days, then back to light exercises multiple times a day. And this isn't necessarily like, a, oh, I'm back to square one with my rehab. Um, it might be back to square one, but not for very long, which gets people um, a bit down mentally when they feel like they're back to square one and they have to work their way all the way through, they feel like all their their good work that they have been doing, all their hard work building up the strength has just come undone. But it hasn't come undone. It's just a momentary flare-up of symptoms where we do need to revert back to something quite light multiple times a day, but the time it takes you to revert back to a, a pre-flare-up state is quite quick, especially if you're following all the right sort of principles. So in the circumstances of a flare-up, little hiccup in your management plan, it might need to fluctuate the frequency of those principles. Um, the other thing probably worth mentioning is, particularly with tendons, people 
do lighter exercises for an analgesic effect. You you might find that sometimes uh, with the right guidance, with the right exercise, with the right sort of injury, that loading exercises can have an analgesic effect. It's kind of like taking pain medication. If you have a little bit of pain, you can do these exercises, load up the tendon, and it should reduce the amount of pain. So if you have this low level exercise, it, it shouldn't be enough to require, it shouldn't fatigue you. The purpose of the analgesic exercise or the isometric exercise for the analgesic effect is so that you don't feel fatigued. It's just enough to load the tendon to reduce symptoms. But these might operate on a different frequency compared to the rest of your rehab exercises. So they can almost be considered entirely different in regards to the principles we were talking about. Your injury might get start improving. As it starts improving, we progress the exercises and reduce the frequency. But for those exercises that load up the tendon to help reduce the symptoms, we can continue doing that at the same frequency no matter what stage of the rehab you're at. Some people might like doing it before a run. Like say for an Achilles, Achilles is a good example. You could do eccentrics before a run or before your strength exercises, um, but you'd only do the calf raises or like slow eccentrics. Um, you'd only do that, say, two sets. So you're not pushing fatigue. You're not developing fatigue before you go for a run. It's just to warm things up. But that frequency could be quite different, but shouldn't take up a lot of time in regards to like Jill's question about you know, how frequently you should do this and how we can utilize our time as much as possible. It is an option. Some people don't always want these particular exercises or know what to do or really don't care because their symptoms are very mild. But um, even if you do it, it's one exercise, it's two sets. It takes one to two minutes and you could do that before an exercise or before a task that might um, provoke pain, I guess you could say. So we've got the flare-up kind of principles. We've got the, the analgesics kind of those principles. Um, then we eventually develop into strength principles. So Jill was saying that she's doing a rehab five days per week, also doing strength training three days per week of about 30 minutes, which I'd say is on, on the right mark. Um, when it comes to rehab and it comes to strength training, sort of combining the two, your rehab exercises will eventually get to the point where you're building up the strength and you're reducing the frequency until it kind of morphs into the same frequency and the same demand as strength training. So your strength training, general principles, two to three times per week, once if you're like in maintenance phase. So I usually recommend as a minimum two times a week if you want to build strength. If your goal is to build strength twice a week minimum. However, if you are in a certain training phase where the mileage is quite high and you really are struggling for time to try and fit everything in, we're not looking to build strength in the gym at that particular phase of your training cycle. So we can drop that down to once a week and that just serves, the once a week serves as a maintenance for strength. So hopefully with your rehab, you strength, you, you progress the strength and you reduce the frequency. So it just morphs into eventually those frequencies and those principles. Uh, let's use that knee pain example. Um, so if you've 
progressed from doing wall sits multiple times a day to then doing squats at 30 kilograms, maybe once every second day, you're then progressing those squats to a really challenging dosage of three sets of 10, whatever weight that is, that's really pushing your capabilities that could be done twice a week. And so that's, that is your rehab, but it's now morphed into your strength training and therefore you don't need to continue doing things five times a day. Um, yes, when you are injured and when things are a little bit sensitive and you're training, you'll say running mileage is reduced because of this injury. We then have time to do things five days per week, but it shouldn't be that doing those rehab exercises five days per week should only be for a couple of weeks um, or maybe a couple of months if your injury is quite severe and we're being patient, taking our time, building up that rehab ladder. But like I say, we'll eventually morph into twice a week, if that makes sense. This twice a week rehab stuff will hopefully be heavy stuff. So um, the same stimulus as strength training, maybe a little bit of plyometrics in there as well for say knee pain, plyo lunges, um, not necessarily that's plyometrics, but like fast box, jump, box jumps and those sort of stimulus um, because that's going to be like an end stage rehab exercise that's now focusing on reducing the risk of re-injury in the future because the goal of rehab is to essentially bridge the gap between your current adaptation zone and bridge the gap and sort of meet the demands of what it then needs for running. And once it does meet that, ideally, which most people miss, you then sort of go beyond those capabilities and try and exceed the demands in the strength, in the gym, um, you, with your rehab exercise, you try and exceed that capacity that far surpasses what your running dosage, what that demand is to reduce your risk of injury when you are running. Makes sense and sounds easy to say in principle, but hard to execute and sort of like people lose their motivation for prehab um, once they're back to running pain-free, but that's the idea anyway. Um, so the exercises, the rehab exercise should be tough enough and hard enough to warrant only doing them twice a week and not just doing bodyweight exercises two to three times a week ongoing and expect to kind of get better. The other element I wanted to consider was, I guess, troubleshooting strength time. If you're really struggling to fit in some strength, I've got a couple of solutions that I want to, to put in here just, just as a few ideas. I know Jill said that uh, she's doing three times, three days per week of strength training and for 30 minutes. I'd say 30 minutes is kind of like a quick session. So, you know, doing that three times, you could probably do 45 minute sessions twice a week um, might for those who do have that time available. But Troubleshooting. So just consider the minimalist amount to sort of get effects, get benefits in your running. I always say um, minimalist two times a week, four exercises. Your four exercises are your squats, are your lunges, your deadlifts, and some variation of calf raises as a minimum. Doing those, that's four exercises, shouldn't really take that long. I would say that would probably take 20 to 30 minutes and we'll reap the most reward. Yes, there are some ways we can tweak that to gain 
performance, but that takes time. We could, you know, get that 20 to 30 minute session to, to 40 minutes and you probably would get better performance, but we're talking about a minimalist approach. If time is um, a factor and you don't have a lot of time, try supersetting exercises. So a, to superset an exercise essentially is um, doing one set of one exercise and then shifting while you rest in between sets for that first exercise, you're then doing another exercise that ideally works another muscle group and kind of just gives that the first muscle group a bit of a break. So if you were to do squats and then after your squat set, you then go over to the, the calf raise machine, do your calf raises. It's not working the calves a whole lot, but it's giving the, um, sorry, the, the squats aren't working the calves a lot. The calf raises aren't working the quads a lot. So it's a good way to sort of just go between one and the other. And so your two to three minutes it takes to do those calf raises, you are then resting it's kind of like a two or three minute rest for the squats. Then you just alternate back and forth and you can knock out those two exercises and then maybe go to say deadlifts and lunges, which I don't know, it's if we're only doing four exercises, probably not ideal. But um, if you wanted to maybe implement, maybe you like doing push-ups, or you like doing some core exercises or you like doing some chin-ups. Um, maybe you can do your deadlifts and then do some core stuff and then maybe do your lunges and then you do some chin-ups and just really try and keep moving. Anytime you're just standing there recovering, it's probably something better worth spent doing something else and being more efficient in the gym. Then you can smash out a 30-minute session, have a really good session and it doesn't really take that much time. So that minimalist approach, those four main exercises and supersetting your routine can be a good way to, you know, spend your time efficiently. Um, we can also consider if it's worth reducing your running and adding strength. So particularly for those who are running six or seven days per week, if you're running six or seven days per week and you're struggling to fit in some strength, remove one of those running days. Um, particularly those who are running six, seven days a week and they're like injured, they've got overuse injuries, you know, two or three times per year. You probably want to take out one of those running days and you probably want to replace that with a strength session. Um, not only are you taking some mileage out of your week and just changing the loads on the body to reduce the risk of an overload injury, but adding in strength can definitely help with just giving your body a, a better stimulus, like stimulating the tendons differently, building bigger, stronger, stiffer tendons and um, yeah, diversifying yourself a little bit and can actually improve your running performance. We know I've done tons of episodes in the past. The research has shown slow, heavy stuff um, mixed in with maybe a little bit of plyometrics helps running performance, helps long endurance training, long endurance running helps you become more economical in your running stroke, everything everything a runner would want. Um, so if you say, if you're really struggling for time and you're also running six or seven days per week, great, we're taking 40 minutes of running out and we're adding a strength session to help you reduce your risk of injuries, reduce an overuse injury and increase your performance. And we're not sacrificing any more time. We're not taking away any more time from you because we're taking 40 minutes out, putting 40 minutes in. 
thanks once again for your question, Jill. Uh, if anyone else has any other questions that they'd love to submit, I'll be more than happy to look over them, maybe add them to my list and keep them there for another six months, but um, still love hearing a lot of your questions. I want to finish with three points, which I've just called, I've just labeled in my Google uh, Google Doc, uh, other tips. If you're close to race day, when the mileage is high and it's hard to squeeze in a strength session, you can drop that to once a week. Creates a bit more availability for you to either increase more mileage. So if you're getting closer to race day and you want, and you're feeling good, um, we try and like change things to become more specific. So we do know that increasing your overall weekly, I guess, low intensity running volume is quite nice at the peak of sort of training to, to best prepare you for a marathon per se, or sometimes high in the, in those high sort of training peaks, those cycles where your mileage, your volume is quite high. You can also take out a, a strength session to replace with a rest day because you might need that rest day. You might need that extra recovery time. So that could be a good option for you as well. And that kind of frees up your time. So it doesn't feel like a full-time job of you just trying to squeeze everything in when the, that sort of training cycle, that, that sort of phase in your training is becomes a little bit too much and a little bit daunting. The second thing that I have here is if you're stuck on daily rehab exercises for several weeks, if that is you, uh, you might want to consider progressing those exercises and gradually just start, you know, challenging the body more and more, even if it's a little bit sore, even like we still in the moment, we, we know our pain rules by now. The pain, generally speaking, for most running-related injuries should be less than a 4 out of 10 during the exercise. So it doesn't have to be pain-free, but it, it shouldn't really irritate afterwards. Um, a classic example, I see um, people with proximal hamstring tendinopathy quite often. I have a whole separate second podcast about overcoming PHT. But a common presentation I see is someone do some bridges, bodyweight bridges, and they see initial success. Uh, but it's still a little bit painful to do those bridges. So they don't progress beyond that because the bridges themselves are painful. It might be like a, a two out of 10 and that person's particularly like fearful of progressing that exercise and making things worse because the initial stage is already sore. It's already painful. Um, but then they stay on that phase for several weeks, several months. I've seen like six plus months of people doing bridges that are mildly uncomfortable and they don't necessarily seek ongoing success until they progress it and sort of push beyond their fear or maybe have a little bit more um, reassurance, education that a little bit of pain's okay and particularly tendons love the slow, heavy load. And so when they progress and actually load up their tendons more, they tend to get better. So if you feel like you're, you're trying to fit in your rehab, trying to fit in strength, trying to fit in running and it's all just becoming a bit too much, just consider the fact that the idea should be to progress, to make it more challenging, but then drop off the frequency so that you have sort of more time available. Um, that was point number two. Point number three, if you are on the stage of doing things daily, sometimes multiple times a day, uh, incorporate it into your routine or try and come up with some triggers or something that will just prompt jog your memory so that it doesn't feel like a task that you have to do. 
I say if you have to do some balancing exercises or some calf raises that are really low load or some banded exercises that are really low load, fine, say, when I brush my teeth, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to brush my teeth and I'm going to do my balancing exercises. Um, my girlfriend's grandma, she has balancing exercises that she does religiously. And it's only because she does it when the kettle's boiling. So she'll have a coffee or she'll have a tea. And as soon as the, she puts the kettle on, she just stands there and does her balancing exercises while it's boiling. And she does it religiously because it is now part of her routine. That's just what she does. So she's never going to forget to do it because that habit's been built in. Um, during ads on TV, if you're watching something on TV, um, not sure how many people watch free-to-air stuff and Netflix doesn't have ads, but um, just be creative. Put a, put a TheraBand around a door handle that you frequently in a room that you frequently go in and out of. So you're remembering to do those exercises when you open and close that door. Um, it will feel a lot less daunting. You'll know that you, you've ticked off, you've ticked off those exercises multiple times a day, like just without even thinking about it. So um, that in combination with progress once able, so then that time becomes quite free. And then hopefully in a couple of weeks, maybe in a couple of months at its worst, you have, reverted back to the strength training principles, that frequency. So it's strong enough, that stimulus is strong enough for you to um, free up a bit more time. So thanks, Jill. Just as a slight little bit of a recap. So rehab principles can start quite frequent, but a low load. We sort of try and work out what we can get away with. That should eventually build up, become more strong, less frequent. If you do have a flare-up, it might revert back to doing things a bit more frequent. If you have some exercise that produces that analgesic effect that actually decreases the pain in the short term, you can do those quite frequent, but shouldn't really take up a lot of time. Your bare minimum strength stuff twice per week. Do your squats, deadlifts, calf raises, lunges, and continue progressing those as you see fit. Make sure progression is in mind. Um, do those twice a week, bare minimum, and... If you are running six or seven days per week, consider taking out one of those runs, especially if you're struggling to fit in some strength time. Take out a run, add in a strength, will help balance out your training and you've got the time available. Thank you for joining me on this episode, Run Smarter Scholars. I have some um, interviews coming up that I haven't been locked in just yet, but I've got another um, nutrition episode um, coming out. I have potentially Peter Bruckner, who's a very famous sports doctor in Australia um, in the near future. I just jumped on a call with him today to discuss, like I said, nothing's been penciled in just yet and potentially Claire Bartholik's coming back onto the podcast to talk about um, something pretty exciting. So looking forward to bring you some more interviews rather than my solo episodes in the last couple of weeks. I hope you've gained some insights because remember, every new insight brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, 
who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.